Good morning. It is Sunday number two for the Scattered Church. Um, and as John said, the Scattered Church can be a really good thing as the Lord is disrupting uh, our patterns and rhythms of life uh, and helping us to see new people and who we can minister to. So I hope that's happening for you. I hope that's happening for each of us. Uh, so with all these surrounding unknowns, we thought it would be really wise to return to the creed. Uh, the creed is so valuable during a time like this because it's stabilizing. I think one of the most significant effects that the creed has had for the church throughout its history is that it is a stabilizing gospel resource, a beautiful summary of the gospel, and uh, the church has been banking on that, often not having a copy of the scriptures handy to help them remember the gospel and to believe and trust in the midst of this say season of persecution or a time of the unknown and that's been going on for almost 1800 years so returning to the creed right now we think could be a really really helpful thing for us today we're going to dedicate our thoughts to one single line of the creed i believe in the holy spirit we've seen that the creed has three main parts so the father creates the son saves and rescues and then the spirit sanctifies and Creation, salvation, and sanctification form those three main parts. The Spirit, uh, so this third part, I believe in the Holy Spirit, starts us into that third, that, that, that section on sanctification. So we want to think about that today. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the breath of life that turns dust into living creatures the one who makes and remakes people into the image of the Son of God, the one who speaks, peace be still, just like Jesus did to the storm that was raging that day. And his disciples heard that, and we want to hear that. In John 14, Jesus makes several promises about the Holy Spirit, who he is and what he does, and who better than Jesus to teach us about the Spirit. So when we as Christians say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, what do we mean? Uh, here are at least four promises about what the Spirit wants to do in us today that Jesus promised way back when. The Spirit brings a new identity, a new home, a life-giving instruction, and lasting peace. So these are four things that the Spirit is doing. He did for the disciples then, and he wants to do for us today. Let's walk through those and begin in verse 18 with this idea that the Spirit is the one who makes good on Jesus' promise by giving us a new identity. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I wanted to start there. So you know that in chapter 14, 15, and 16 in John's Gospel, you've got this great section of who the Spirit is and what he's doing. But I wanted to start in verse 18, dropping down there, just to let it hit us. I will not leave you as orphans. Um, Jesus is saying this, I, I am heading to the cross. I'm heading back to the Father through the cross, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as a child with no parents. That language is really important. I will not leave you as orphans. I won't leave you as someone who has, has no parents to care for him, no hugs, no love, no food. I'm not going to leave you like that. Um, that's not how this is going to work. I have been rereading Oliver Twist. It's one of my favorites, uh, one of my favorites in the Great Books series. And um, 
Oliver is a nine-year-old whose life is one twist after another, and that is how he gets his name. So he's an orphan boy, and early on in the book, in the story, this is not in the movie versions, but in the book, uh, you will see this line, a line that vividly captures what's going on in Oliver's own heart and mind as an orphan. Here's what Dickens writes. The boy had no friends to care for or to care for him and no well-remembered face. Dickens uses this particular phrase, no face to remember or no well-remembered face, to, to to try to describe what's happening in the heart and the mind of an orphan. Could you imagine being nine years old and having no face that you could recall who loved you? And Dickens really wants to draw that out. And that's the, really the power of what he's doing in his story, is to help, help us feel where Oliver is. Jesus chooses this language, I will not leave you as orphans, to say to us as his disciples, I want you to remember my face. I want to be that well-remembered face for you. So don't wonder whether or not I'm leaving you as an orphan. I'm not. I'm not going to leave you like that. I want you to remember my face and my commitment to you. You now belong to God. When you chose to follow me as a disciple, you no longer trusted in yourself. At that moment, you got a new identity. And that new identity is secure in me. And what? here's what I'm promising you. The Spirit is going to come and bring assurance of that security when I'm gone. He's going to help you remember my face. He, the Spirit of God is never more pleased than to help you remember who Jesus is, what he's doing, and what he has done for you. So I think that's a really strong gospel word for us right now. When some people who are experiencing isolation or in, are in an identity crisis kind of moment here, just hear, those, hear the word of the gospel this morning. I will not leave you as orphans. That's the first thing the Spirit is doing, making good on Jesus' promise. The second is that he is making a new home for us. Look, Drop down to verse 23 with me. Chapter 14, verse 23. Well, let's back up to 22. Uh, Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot. You know he was kind of glad they added that. Um, Not that Judas, right? Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will make yourself known to us? How will we know you? How, How will we see you? And how will we remember you? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, this is verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. I think in this context, Jesus is clearly referring to the work of the Spirit. The way you're going to know I'm with you, manifest my presence to you, is is the presence of the Spirit of God. So you you will know I will be gone, but the Spirit is going to make it possible for me and the Father to dwell with you. Um... That is a promise that Jesus is making to us. Now, why does he say we'll make our home with him rather than we'll go fishing with him? Hey, we're going to go be fishers of men, right, because the world needs the gospel. Or we'll go work in the field together. Why not use that language? 
Well, because Jesus knows exactly what they need to hear right now. He's about to leave. He's about to leave, and, and, and what they don't need to hear is something they're going to go do so much as this really great reminder, the Spirit of God is going to create a place of belonging and security and happy times. I mean, that's what happens at a home. It, when you get home, you find a place of security and warmth and happy times and laughing around the table. The Spirit's going to make that possible. And the Spirit alone can really make that possible. Let me, let me illustrate. Let me try to illustrate this for us. So Chase and I went on a bike ride last night, and we were out for about an hour so that by the time we were getting back close to the house, it was dark. And so we were staying fairly close together at that point. And, uh, you know, you want to be a good dad and not, not leave your child hanging, right? But at some, at some point, you also... It, you know, you break away for a little while and you go out in front of your kids when you're doing bike rides. And, and then they say, Dad, come back. Dad, come back. And you slow down and you come back. And you're just kind of leading and giving direction. But at some point, if you get close enough to the house, what you can do is go ahead and say, I'll see you at the house. Or your child, in the reverse, will say to you, Hey, Dad, I'll see you back at the house. And he speeds off. That that boundary, that place where that can happen is different for different ages of children. Some, for younger children, it's 100 yards. For older children, it might be a quarter of a mile. I'll see you back at the house. Why does that work? I think it works because there's, it's not the house. It's, the, it's what the home stands for. It's not just the house, but it's what the home stands for. And there's this boundary that radiates out of that home life. So that once you get into that boundary, you feel a sense of safety and security and, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm home. I'm good. Um, I think that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. That kind of thing is what Jesus is talking about. That's why he says we're going to make our home with him. If any disciple will trust me, love me, and believe this promise, the Spirit of God will come to him. And my father and I... We're going, to, we're going to create a deep, securing relationship that once you pass into that boundary, you're going to know for sure you're home. You're in a really good place. You'll notice in verse 23 that love is driving this whole thing. Verse 23 says, If anyone loves me, he will obey, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will dwell with him, we will make our life with him. Read, when you otherwise feel the unknowns and vicissitudes of life, man, we're going to be that place of security. God and his, Jesus and his gospel, he wants to be that place of security and protection and belonging and happiness and all the things you feel. Uh, so if you're in isolation right now, if you're feeling distanced from people, if you feel like, you know, you're by yourself, you're you don't have to remain in that place. You really can find a home in Christ. Uh, I know that loneliness and isolation is a very real thing. Uh, some moms are probably feeling that right now who would love some adult conversation with the school changes, seniors and singles. Um, yeah, there's so much application here for us. It's very real, but the Father, the Son, and the Spirit promise to be present with you. and you do not have to live in that loneliness. So the Spirit is doing these things. He gives us a new identity. He gives us a new home. 
and he gives life-giving instruction. Verse 26, look at this. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. One of the Spirit's, the, the main things the Spirit of God is doing is he's pleased to bring us back to the gospel teaching of Jesus. He's always teaching us who Jesus is and what he was doing. Uh, J.I. Packer has said, the Spirit of God is like a floodlight who loves to shine and bring attention on Jesus uh, as, as the, the Son of God, as the Messiah. So God's written word and God's living word, his Son, are the two things the Spirit just keeps helping us understand for the rest of our lives. We're never going to get the whole Bible down and live it in truth and with integrity. And we're never going to fully understand the image of the Son until we're finally made into his image. But those are the two things we keep. Uh, the gospel is ever increasing in us to bring us toward. And that's what the Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit is another gospel teacher. That's what he is. And he teaches the same exact thing that Jesus was teaching the disciples. Before you can grasp God's word, though, uh, it, it's really important to note if you look forward to, say, John 16 and verse 8, before you can even begin to, to grasp his word and be turned into the image of his son, something has to happen first. And John's gospel describes it in this section, continuing to talk about the Spirit. When Jesus says, here's what the Spirit will do. When he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So before I can actually begin to learn God's word and who Christ is, I need to come to a place of conviction of sin, turn my heart over to Christ, turn away from myself, believe in the gospel and entrust the judgment of my soul to Christ. When I do that, um, you know, then I can start to learn and receive the life-giving instruction of the Spirit. Uh, this is an important season in our lives and in our community and our culture right now because the world needs the gospel now more than ever. I think a, a, a friend of ours, John um, Laughing House down at Belmont, I think he said to his church something like this this week, um, right now is, is not the time to shrink back, but rather to lean into the mission. Like, let's, let's believe that the gospel could still bring, like, let's believe that the Spirit of God could bring conviction of sin and a desire to turn to Christ during this moment so that we're connecting with our neighbors, uh, stepping into their world, sharing Christ with them, uh, at least starting conversations that may so naturally right now, like what's going on around us? Uh, what's the unknown? Everybody's talking about this. What if the Lord would give us an opportunity to bring the gospel? I think the Spirit would be pleased for us to bring up the gospel in those moments and might even uh, show his favor in turning people to Christ who are not trusting him right now. So that's the third thing that the Spirit does is he, he's always bringing life-giving instruction. It's a call to, to trust in Christ and then a call to grow in his word and in being remade into the image of Jesus. Here's the fourth and final point. The fourth thing that the Spirit is doing is he's bringing lasting peace. He brings lasting peace. So let's slow down a little bit here. Uh, go back to chapter 14 and listen to this. John chapter 14, Jesus says this. Again, remember, we're in the context of he's describing who the Spirit is and what he's going to do. 
Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. He, he's describing the ministry of the Spirit. He's not going to be physically present with them. But the Spirit of God can bring a deep and abiding poise and rest and a sense of shalom that only Jesus offers. So be still and know that I am God. Be still and rest in that. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. He sits as king forever. Being anxious about the future, I, this is something that I just keep preaching to myself these days. Being anxious about the future is exhausting. There's, there's no end to it. And... Yeah, being anxious does two things. It's exhausting, and it will blind you to the goodness of God. So we're reciting Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, to, to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. But there's just, no, there's just no future in anxiety. It's exhausting. Fretfulness is exhausting. So... Hear the words of Jesus again. This is what the Spirit of God is going to do. He's going to teach you all things. He's going to, be, he, he's going to bring to remembrance everything I've said, including that you can't find peace except if you trust in me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. It's been really interesting to see how the world's getting peace right now. Oh, this is all going to pan out. The market's going to come back. Um, things are going to be fine. That's not the way Jesus brings peace. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. So I want to pray for that today. Let's pray, and I'll just close our time here in this segment with um, those, yeah, let's, let's pray for peace together. Will, will you just join me and pray for a moment? Yeah, Jesus, we long for the Prince of Peace, for you as Prince of Peace to, to settle our hearts, to slow us down, to help us discover contentment again and a simplicity of life. Ground us in a new identity, help us to abide and dwell and really make a home in a gospel relationship with you and give us peace. Give us peace, give us hope. When we sense the clamoring trouble of the world around us, would you just speak once again into our hearts, just like you did that day in a raging storm on the sea. Peace, be still. And the sea was calmed. We hope in you today, Jesus, above all else. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.